Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. (laughs) I'll let you guys go ahead and be seated. What a wonderful job. That was just powerful, anointed. Our team is so good. So good. We're we're not going to be too lengthy this morning, um, so we won't get too far. Uh, Ken, you can just, just, just sit there. You don't have to play anything. Just, just sit there. <laughs> I want to share just a thought with you this morning. I believe the Lord has already made his way into the room. He's already done such a marvelous and a wonderful work. When you think about it, we had time to worship and to praise and lay our lives before the feet of Jesus and ministry time and prayer and altar call and I mean my goodness everything that you would want in a service has already been done amen you know, like well pastor can we just go there's an egg hunt that's outside right now and um, <laughs> I just want to share a thought with you this morning uh, it comes out of second Samuel chapter 6 this is just something the Lord's been put on my heart all week and he, he, he had me come to this passage and I just hadn't been able to get off of it I'm going to read a couple of lines of text, and uh, it's where we'll get our thought uh, mainly for this morning. Um, But 2 Samuel chapter 6, a little backstory is that um, the Ark of the Covenant uh, is been resting for nearly 20 years, 20 years. It was captured from God's people, and this was before... Uh, King Saul was in leadership before he was in position. This was, this was really back when, uh, when the prophet uh, Eli was still judging over Israel and uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant, it was captured. And so now here we have, uh, from, from that point, Samuel becomes the prophet and then Saul's appointed as king. And, and, and you can go back and read through all the history and follow the track, track through the entire timeline of how it works out. But long story short is this, is that the children of Israel don't have the Ark of the Covenant back in possession. And, and here's David in one of the very first thing, if not the very first thing, that he sets out to do now as king over all of Israel is to get the Ark of the Covenant, which is the place that represents God's presence. It's this this piece of furniture, this box that was created, and on the inside of it was the Ten Commandments, which represented the written law, the word of the Lord of that time. It, it also had Aaron's staff that was in it that had budded, and so it represented miracles, and, and, and it also had manna, which represents the provision that, that God made for the children of Israel. And so, so the ark was, was, was this very, very, very powerful representation of who God is because if there's anything that we've come to know about God is he not the true and living word is he not provider is he not the miracle worker is he not the almighty God and that's what the ark of the covenant it it, it represented and David said I need to get this ark back into our possession for 20 years it had not been in the children of Israel's possession and so in chapter 6 of 2nd Samuel we find out that David, he makes his way to, to go and, and, and recapture the ark, to bring it back uh, home. And, and, and I want to read a couple lines here just to kind of get, get, get a focus uh, for this morning. And the Bible says uh, this, that if we really just back it up to the beginning of the, 
uh, of chapter 6. It says, and again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel. This is verse 1 of chapter 6. 30,000, and David, he arose and he went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name was called by the name the Lord. It says, and he was one who dwells between the cherubim, so they set the ark of God on a new cart, and they brought, out, they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on a hill in Uzzah and Ohio, and the sons of Abinadab, they drove this new cart, and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on a hill accompanying the ark, and Ohio went before the ark, and David and all the house of Israel, they played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fir wood on harps and stringed instruments and tambourines and sistrums and cymbals and things that I don't even think we have seen in a church service for a very long period of time. I was thinking about this, I was laughing. He had all the worship leaders come together for this big, for this big moment. And I saw this post earlier this week that someone trademarked worship leader. <laughs> Churches can't just go around throwing around, I'm the worship leader anymore, it's trademarked. <laughs> so, that, so the video was talking about all these extra different things that you could plug in for, for worship leaders that can't use worship leader unless, if, you know, if you're going to pay the royalties to use the name. And so they said, uh, 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 <laughs> there was this one on there, it said like, what was it, minstrel of music was one of them. <laughs> I love that one. What is it, cat herder? Oh, I love it. I, I don't think we'll be using these names for our worship team. I thought, well, what if I trademark senior pastor? Then all the other churches have to use different trademarks for, or, or different names for, for their leadership. I don't know. Uh, but here's David, and he gets, man, he gets the whole band together. He gets all the musicians. He gets everybody together. And, and, and so the Bible, it says this, though, is that as they, as they begin to play the music, when they came to Nacon's threshing floor that Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it because the ark it, it, it was being driven out by by the oxen and the, and the ox began to stumble and so they, they begin to take hold of the ark of the covenant to, to to stable it and God wasn't happy with that and the Bible says that in verse 7 that God struck Uzzah for this error and he died there and David became very angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah Verse 9 says this, that David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the Ark of the Covenant come to me? So David would not move the Ark of the Lord. But catch this. It said that they took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The Ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now it was told to King David saying, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him. Somebody say all. all. See, what I wanted to tell you this morning is that when you've got the presence of God upon your life, that all of a sudden the blessings of God begins to come upon your life. And the Lord's not in the business of blessing you in some areas, but all areas. Tell somebody next to you, all areas. 
God wants you to be physically blessed. God wants you to be spiritually blessed. God wants you to be financially blessed. God wants you to be blessed in your coming in and in your going out. God wants you to be blessed everywhere that you step foot. For the Bible says in the book of Genesis that when we were created in the image and likeness of God, that the very first thing that God did with man and woman when he created him was that he blessed them. Tell somebody next to you, he blessed them. Now let me tell you this, blessing is not a spiritual greeting. How you doing today? I'm blessed. No, blessing is the empowerment of God upon your life to have success everywhere that you step foot. I came to tell you this morning, everywhere that you step foot, God wants you to be a success. God wants you to be blessed. He wants your children blessed. He wants your families blessed. He wants your marriages blessed. He wants every bit of your household blessed. He wants that water heater that you've been waiting on to replace blessed. It said all of Obed-Edom's house was blessed. Just when he was on the last toilet paper square, that road got re-blessed and it continued to keep on going. I'm talking about next level blessing that you're not running out of what you need. I'm telling you today that God loves you so much that he wants you to be blessed in every area of your life. Well, here's David. David says, I got to bring the Ark of the Covenant back into the city. And so what does he do? He puts on his finest kingly robe. The Bible says he took all the choice men. The Bible says that he grabbed all of the house of Israel, which was all the dignitaries, all the important people. He wanted to set in motion this beautiful picture and scene. And the Bible says that as they begin to move, the Ark of the Covenant on a new cart pulled by these bulls, that as the bulls or the ox begin to stumble, that when Uzzah reached out to, to, to stable the ark, that the Lord struck him dead. I want to tell you this today, is that the presence of God was never meant to be pulled by bulls. The presence of God is meant to rest on the shoulders of God's people. The Bible says this, that he inhabits the praises of his people. Another translation says that the praises of God rests, or the presence of God rests on the praises of his people. And so as this began to take place, David got so upset. He got so irate at God. Why? Because David felt absolutely ashamed. How could you appoint me, God, as the king over all of Israel? All I'm trying to do is get your presence back in its place. But the problem was this, is that David did not know the word of the Lord. David did not understand the way that it was supposed to be moved. And it's like many of us, oh, we come to church and we put on our church best and our church finest and we're among all the choice people of God and the music strikes up and we're ready to get a little tune going and we're so excited because God's going to show up today. But when you don't know the word of the Lord, you're not going to take his presence with you. The presence of the Lord is going to stay right where it was first struck and played. I'm here to tell you is that it's not about how you look. It's not about how you act. It's not what you're trying to put on. It's really what you need to take off. You need a surrender yourself before the Lord. You need to lay down before him and you need to begin to let him know how good he is and let his presence rest on you. Not some ox, not some bull, not some animal. In fact, not some other person. You want God's blessings? It's on you. And so we see that David, he's all upset about this thing. Well, how could, what, what, I don't know. But then all of a sudden, as the Ark of the Covenant is in Obed-Edom's house, he sees that Obed is getting blessed. Well, hold on a second. That ark is supposed to come back to the, to, to the city of David, to the city of me. 
and Obed is getting blessed? So some of us, we're looking at other people and we're saying, why are they getting blessed and I'm not? The question is, is not why, the question is how. I don't care if you get blessed, I want you to get blessed. The question is, how do I now get blessed? And David is not looking at why is Obed getting blessed. He wants to know, how can we get blessed? How can my household get blessed? And so he finds himself back in the word of the Lord, finding out the proper and the acceptable way of moving the ark of the covenant. And so he gets all the priests and he gets all the right people in place. And they pick up the ark of the covenant and they begin to carry it back to the city of David. Now I want to run some math with you for a moment. Because I thought that this was fascinating. The Bible says that every six paces that David moved the Ark of the Covenant from Obed-Edom's house to the city of David, that they stopped, they sacrificed, and they praised. Now here's the math. Because the Bible says that every time they stopped and sacrificed, they sacrificed seven bulls, seven goats. The distance between Obed's house and the city of David was 12 and a half miles. You know what six paces is? It's 18 feet. Every 18 feet, David stopped, made a sacrifice, and praised before the Lord as the Ark of the Covenant was coming back to the city of David. Some of y'all can't even go 18 feet without checking to see if someone liked your Instagram post. Now you laugh at that, but the reality is this. What are you willing to sacrifice every 18 feet, every 18 seconds to get the presence of the Lord upon your life? And so David, every 18 feet, seven bulls, seven goats, over 12 and a half miles. Now don't worry, I already did the math for you. If he stopped 18 feet over 12 and a half miles, that means he stopped 3,666 times to make sacrifice. 3,666 times he made a sacrifice of seven bulls, seven goats at each sacrifice. We're talking about 52,264 animals were sacrificed as an offering before the Lord. 52,264 sacrifices in today's money, by the way, for those that are inquiring, is $30.7 million. And you're wondering why David was so blessed? And you're wondering why his lineage was so blessed? And you're wondering why he had favor up for several generations is because he lived his life understanding one principle is that I have to live my life to sow seed and sacrifice if I want to see God continue to move. Everything is in the seed. Everything is in the sacrifice. You want to see God move? What are you willing to lay down before the Lord to see God move again? Some of us, we have stopped uh, prioritizing the purpose and the importance of sowing our seeds and laying our sacrifice before the Lord. And we're wondering, God, how come I'm not blessed? I'm here to tell you why you're not blessed. It's because you got to get back to the place that you're in surrender and sacrifice before the Lord. you got to honor Him with your offerings. you got to honor Him with your time. you got to honor Him with your talent. you got to honor Him with all that who you are if you want to see the blessing of God upon your life. I thought it was interesting is that the backstory is that they took the Ark of the Covenant, when the Philistines had it under their control and they put it in the temple, the temple was next to their, to their 
God called Dagon, and, uh, and, and Dagon was there, and the Ark of the Covenant was there, and they left, and when they came back the next morning, the Bible says that the head of the Philistines' God was just chopped right on off. Now, no one came in there in the middle of the night and said, hey, let's chop off the head of a god. No, what it is is that all the false gods, all the nonsense, all the junk can't stand up next to the presence of God. The Bible says that, 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 that what they did was they, they, they picked the statue back up, and the next day when they came back in there, the hands of, of Dagon, the false god, the idol, was gone. People going in there trying to worship a headless, handless god. That's like many of us. A lot of people want to go to churches that are headless and handless churches. Nobody wants to get under authority anymore. I want to worship the way that I'm going to worship. I'm going to praise the way that I'm going to praise. I'm going to do what I want to do and God bless me. No, God's not going to bless you because as the head goes, so does the rest of the body. He said that it had no hands. Why? Because many churches today are saying, well, we're not going to serve. We don't need to put our hands to the plow. Well, hold on a second. Didn't Jesus say... Put your hands to the plow. Now, if you look back, you ain't fit for this thing. But if I'm in the body of Christ, I'm not part of a headless, handless body. I'm part of a head that can see and lead me to where I need to go. Hands, because God wants to prosper me in everything that I put my hand to. Because his hand is prosperous. Am I talking to somebody this morning? I'm here to tell you today that this is more than just a story about David praising and worshiping. This is a story, an understanding that David lived his life as sacrifice in order for him to access the blessings of God. God wants you to access the blessings, but it's going to cost you something. Tell somebody next to you, it's going to cost you something. But we want to be in the business of free blessings, of easy blessings. I'm not in this thing for easy blessings. I'm not in this thing for free blessings. I'm in this thing to say, Lord, whatever it takes, I'm going to get to your presence. I'm going to walk prosperous. I'm going to have victory. Sometimes it might be easy. <laughs> but I know this, a lot of times it's what I'm willing to put in. It's what I'm willing to go after. I'm not going to look left or look right. And that's the thing, is that the body of Christ, we get intimidated when it gets hard. We get so intimidated that we take a back seat and we're no longer being the body of Christ. We're no longer being the church. We're no longer being the influence. We're no longer being who God wants the church to be in this lost and dying world. I'm telling you this morning, it's time that the church gets the voice back. It's time that the church begins to take action. It's time that the church takes its rightful place because I'll tell you, I'm not going to let no devil in hell one-up my children, my life, my purpose, my blessing. It ain't happening. Not on my watch. And so David, he, he's in this thing and he says, every 18 feet I'm making a sacrifice because I need to see the presence of God get back into position. What are you willing to sacrifice today for the presence of God, for the blessing of God to get back in position for your life? And so David, oh man, he's excited now. And the Bible says that he danced with all his might. Now, I love this because in charismatic churches, we just take that as he had a praise break. And I like praise breaks. I'm all good for praise breaks, but your life should be a life of praise. You shouldn't have to break to praise. Everything that you do should be praise because the Bible says let everything that has breath, every breath you take should be praise. So stop letting praise break suppress your trauma. You need to live a lifestyle of praise every day and let God do his perfect work in you. I'm talking to somebody this morning because what we do is we put on a song and a dance and a show and that's great on Sundays but what about on Mondays when you get a notice that it's time for you to pack your stuff up because you lost your job. Are you going to praise the Lord then? 
praises in everything that you do. Come hell or high water, I'm going to praise the Lord. I don't care what it looks like, the good, the bad, the ugly. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to praise him. 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 Because I know at the end of the day that I will have the victory, that I have the victory, and that I am a conqueror. And so David praises with all his might. By the way, the word might is not just physical strength. The word might is in everything that he owns, everything that he controls, which means it wasn't just him that was turning up, but every single thing under his rulership was turning up for the things of God. So if you're trying to get a picture of this story, don't just think it was one guy being super radical for the things of God. It was the entire army. It was all the people. I mean, they had the biggest, most massive outbreak in the things of God, just cutting loose, declaring how good God was, making sacrifice. It was a move of God sweeping over these 12 and a half miles. What if we could be the biggest move of God? What if we in this next season, as the church, say, Lord, whatever it takes, I'm going to turn up big for the things of you. Why do we let the enemy intimidate us and embarrass us about our praise? Why is it okay just for us to praise on Sundays, but when I'm in the middle of public at Starbucks getting my coffee drink, and my name is actually spelt correctly, why can't I praise God then? How do you spell Sean? S-H, no, it's S. E-A-N, say on, seen. Not Shane, no, not Shane, Sean. Thank you, Lord, they got my name right. No, but I'm serious. Because the Bible says that as David came back into the city, that his wife, Michal, was looking out the window, and she saw him. And she began to look at him with disdain. Watch what the Bible says. I want to read this. This is incredible. I was so moved by this when I saw it. It says this. So David returned to bless the household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants. As one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michal, it was before the Lord. I could totally feel the tone in this. It was before the Lord. Who chose me instead of your father. Man, I bet you the tone in that room got so sharp. Husbands, don't do that to your wives. It was for the Lord. You were wrong. You shouldn't have done what you did. Don't, don't try and get yourself out of this thing, blaming it on the Lord. <laughs> and it says this, though. He goes, and he chose me instead of your father and all of his house to appoint the ruler over the people of the Lord of Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord. And I will be, here it is, even more un dignified than this. I will be more undignified than this. The word undignified 
it simply means I will look even more unworthy than this. Why would David want to look unworthy? See, there's a difference between how the world views worthy and how God views worthy. He says, I will look more undignified than this. Now, understand something. David was not naked before the Lord as we've heard preaching about. Because the Bible says that he was wearing the linen ephod, which was the priestly garment, dancing before the Lord. What Michal said was this, you took off your royal robes? How unkingly are you to make yourself look like the base fellow or the common fellow? You look unworthy, David. You should put back on your kingly robe. You should put back on the thing that the world deems as worthy. And what I came to tell you this morning is that when you stop allowing the world to put on you what you think is going to make you worthy, and you start taking off that thing and allow yourself to be undignified before the presence of the Lord, then God will begin to move mightily in your life. But some of us were too worried about, do I have the right posture? Am I wearing the right thing? Am I looking the right way? Listen, let your mascara run, ladies. Get before the Lord in some worship this morning. So we got bathrooms, you can touch it up. <laughs> Fellas, who cares if the toe box of your Jordans crease? Dance before the Lord. <laughs> oh my God, oh, I got a crease in the toe box, I'm unworthy. See, some of these like, I love these like, like preachers when they, when they pray, they do this number. God forbid that I crease this toe box I don't care if I crease the toe box. At the end of the day, my shoes don't define me. What I'm wearing does not define me. I'm not dignified by what is on my body. I'm willing to let it all go and say, Lord, whatever it takes, let me get before you. David said, I don't need a royal robe to be uh, in this place that I feel worthy. I want to tell you is that when you're willing to be undignified is the moment that God becomes glorified. God never cared about the outward appearance of David in the first place. He always said that you're a man that has a heart for me. God always saw the heart of David, and David knew the only way to get to the heart of God was not by outward circumstances and outward appearances. He just said, Lord, let me just get before you and sacrifice. Whatever it takes, I'm going to get before you, undignified. And his wife is there, and she's saying, now isn't that so unspiritual of you, so non-very pastoral of you, David. Don't let the people see you cry. Don't let the peace people see you look out of sorts. Don't let the people see you take off your royal robe. You need to have a presentation. Look, I'm not in this thing to have perfect presentation. I'm in this thing to get into God's presence. So if I cry every week, so be, I don't care if I cry. Y'all see me cry more times than I've seen myself cry in my entire life. Because I want the presence of God. I want to get before, whatever it takes to get before the Lord. So if i got to take off my shoes, fine. I don't care. Whatever it is. Lord, I just want to get to your heart. Jesus, I want to get to your heart. David said, I will be even more undignified than this. Even more undignified than this. You know why? Because he wasn't ashamed of the Lord. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 1, verses uh, 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 16 and 17, it says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We need to be a people that's not ashamed, but unashamed. 
and the way that I live my life unashamed is not trying to live a life dignified by the way the world says. The world says you got to look this way, act this way, be this way. In fact, the world has an idea of what the church is supposed to look like. The other day, my wife and I, we were at lunch, and um, it was your brother, actually. Ryan, Ryan rolled up on us, and while we were having lunch, and he was with a friend uh, that, that they work with, and, uh, and the guy said, I didn't know that they were pastors. I was in a golf polo. Not because I like to wear golf polos. I was actually golfing. It's not my default. Sorry. I'm not in this thing trying to look, trying to be, trying to, I'm just, God, whatever it takes to get to your heart. I'm just trying to speak to someone's heart today. Because for so long, there, I know there's people that are here this morning that's been trying. You've been trying so hard. Stop trying. You got nothing to prove, only God to please. Just get to the Lord. Just get to the heart of Jesus by saying, God, here I am. He loves you as you are. Enough not to leave you the way that you are. He'll transform you. He'll change you. And so I close with this because David, I love this. He just gets before the Lord and he worships and he praises with all his might. <laughs> Side note, Michal, his wife, who made that statement, the Bible says from that moment she was never able to conceive and have any children. She lived a barren and a fruitless life because she rejected getting before the Lord in his presence. Don't miss the fruit and the things that God wants to do. No one's too big for God's presence. We need his presence. Oh, Lord, we need your presence today. And so David says, no matter what, I'm going to praise you, Lord. I'll be even more undignified than this. The real, you say, why are you sharing that with us this morning? Because the book of Luke chapter 19, the Pharisees look at Jesus and they say, Jesus, tell your disciples to stop shouting loud and praising you. And Jesus says back to the Pharisees, I could do that, but if I do that, then the rocks will cry out and praise me. The funny thing, though, is, is that the disciples and all of Jesus' followers were taking off their outer garments and laying it on the road before the Lord as he entered into the city. They were taking off their robes. They were willing to be undignified so that Jesus could be glorified. And as Jesus begins to come in and the Pharisees, they say, tell them to stop. I can, but guess what? These rocks, which is even more undignified than anything else, are completely worthless. They'll praise me. At the end of the day, you were created for praise. You were created for worship. You were created to be in God's presence. You were created to be in position to walk in God's blessing. What they didn't realize that day as they were worshiping the Lord is they were preparing the way in which the greatest blessing would take place. And that is the moment that Jesus would be arrested, beaten, placed on the cross. He'd give up his last breath. Why? <laughs> so that we all could have access to his presence and his blessing forevermore. 
Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so this morning, I just wanted to stir up your hearts today. That as you leave from here, don't let Palm Sunday just be one praise Sunday out of the month, just a moment. Let it be a lifestyle of dancing and shouting and celebrating before the Lord. Let the goodness and the blessings of God be upon your life all the days of your life. Come before Him in song. Come before Him in singing. Come before Him lifting up His name every day. Everything that has breath. We praise you, Lord. Father, let us not be worried about how the world thinks or what the world says. Father, at the end of the day, here I am, Lord. Let me praise you the same in this building as I would in public. I'm not ashamed because, God, you're good. You saved me. You healed me. You touched me. You changed me. Today, Lord, we just come before you in praise and worship and thanksgiving, celebrating your goodness in this season right now. And I know this service has been a little different. But Father, today as everyone leaves from here, I pray your blessing upon their life, your hand upon their life. God, I thank you for continuing to strengthen your church. Strengthen us, Lord. Strengthen us, Lord. Jesus, be glorified. Be magnified. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. What we do this this morning? Why don't we all stand to our feet? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a song. Amen. Jesus. Jesus. And as Sean preached this morning, I was sitting there. I could hardly contain myself when he started talking about the whole story about David and the ark. And what happened when his wife mocked him in the streets. And didn't want to be like the rest of the people. He didn't care about his kingly robes and his pride. And as he was preaching, I went back to the very first year that we had abundant life. And I, I was sitting there and I was thinking, yeah, when I was 20 years old in a Baptist college, I went to a tent meeting. And when I went to that tent meeting, I got filled with the Spirit of God. And for the first time in my life, I lifted my hands, I praised, I clapped, I danced before the Lord. Yeah. And even went back to college and went, started going even though I was going to this Baptist college and finishing up my senior year, I was sneaking off on Sundays going to a charismatic Baptist, old Baptist church in, in Dayton, Ohio, where the people were in there, so many people were coming from everywhere. We were packed in like sardines and we didn't care. We had it on our clogs and our bell bottoms. Back in the 70s, I'm aging myself. <laughs> our bandanas. And we'd go off on Sunday like that, and that was not how I was raised. But we would stand there, and we would dance, and we would praise the yeah. Lord. Amen. And I did that. I did that for 
seven or eight years from 20 to 28, got married, came to abundant life with his mom and dad. And I remember I was reading this story one day because now all of a sudden I'm pastor's wife. Like David with his kingly robes, I was pastor's wife. I was the music director of the church. And I stopped dancing because of my pride. I stopped. It was too cool. Oh, I could praise and clap my hands and lift my hands and shout before the Lord. But it was too cool now to dance. And God said, if you don't get that garment of pride off of you. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Because it's whether you're in church or whether you're at home. I don't care where you're at or on the job. God spoke to me. He said, just like Mikhail. She was fruitless. She couldn't bear fruit. And he told me, he says, if you don't take off that garment of, of your pride because you think you're so cool with this title of being a pastor or whatever your title might be. But God spoke to me and he said, if you don't take off that garment, he said, this church and you will be fruitless. Whoa. I repented before the Lord, folks. I repented and I went before my congregation and I asked for their forgiveness. I said, God, I'll never do that again. I'll never be too prideful that I can't get out and dance before you. doesn't matter. I'm going to uncover that what I felt that I was. And that's what God's looking for us from t- today. To let it go. doesn't matter. If you're going through a situation, go home and dance before the Lord. Let me give you, let me give you something quick because I know the kids are all waiting to go out. But I got to, I just, I just felt this unction in my spirit to share this. Now let me tell you something that happened out of my dance one day real fast. I was invited to go to a church in Miami to speak at a women's conference. This was an all black church. And there was two of us who were white speaking. It was my first time. And I was like, awesome. Because I love the lady who was the minister. But she was very straight laced. And, and she was just very prim and proper. That's just, that was just her personality. And I remember we were looking for a home, our second home. And when I went down there and I was about getting ready to speak, my turn that morning, God said, as they were praising and she's standing next to me, God said, remember what I told you years ago? Even though she's just going to stand there like this and she's not going to dance. He said, you know that house you're believing for? Come on. He said, take off your shoes. Take off your shoes right where you're at. Set them aside. And he said, begin to dance before me. And as you're dancing, and as you're singing, and as you're praising, I want you to see that God's going to give you that house. Woo! (laughs) Oh, folks, that's what I did. Strip off the pride. Whatever is holding you back from getting what God wants you to have, be willing 
to do what he's called you to do. And don't allow it to distract you and to keep you from what God has. God has great things for you today. You believe it? Give God a shot of praise. Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and He wants to bless you.